Thanks, you can be seated. It is a simple song. Count your blessings. But this morning we're going to see the importance of it. We are looking at the life of Moses and the children of Israel. When we last left them, they were at the foot of Mount Sinai. They had received the Ten Commandments. They had received the instructions of the tabernacle. They spent a good portion of the year getting all of that together and building the tabernacle. So where we are in the life of the children of Israel is this. They have spent about a year at Sinai. They are now in the process of getting ready to leave Sinai. So they are leaving Sinai and they are heading to the Promised Land. Okay, that's where we're going to start our story this morning. I want to remind you that that is the goal. The goal is the promised land. The goal is that these people who are in slavery are now no longer in slavery. They are now heading to the promised land where they are going to live in houses they didn't build, eat fruit from trees they didn't plant, and drink water from wells that they didn't dig. That's where they're going. That's where they're heading. So when we pick up our story this morning, we need to understand that's where they're going. And they're not that far off from being and starting to enjoy those kinds of things. Oh, with that in mind, here's what it says. Numbers chapter 11. I do not have time to read this whole chapter today. So I'm going to read the first part of it. I'm going to summarize the last part of it for you. I want to encourage you, you get a chance to go back and read it for yourself. All right. There's a ton in here, and I only get a touch on the surface this morning. So soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he set a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then some of the people screamed for Moses for help, and he prayed to the Lord. The fire was stopped. After that, the area was known as Tabaroth, which means the place of burning, because fire from the Lord burned, them, burned among them there. And it goes on. Then the foreign rabble, who were traveling with the Israelites, began to crave the good things out of Egypt. These are the people who, when the children of Israel went out, said, we want to follow you, we don't want to be here, we want to follow your God. And it says, crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. So you're seeing a progress. Starts on the outside of the camp, then starts with the foreign group that was with them, and now it's affecting the children of Israel. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish that we used to eat for free in Egypt. That's a key word right there, for free. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. There's a great diet. <laughs> but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. The literally, when you read this in a Hebrew idea, the Hebrew idea is our taste buds are dying. That's the idea. Okay? The manna, and he, he goes on to explain the manna. And the manna looked like small coriander seeds. It was pale yellow like gum resin. The pieces would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills, pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot, made it into flat cakes. These cakes last, uh, tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. 
Moses heard all the family standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. Now it affects Moses. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, I love this prayer. Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all of these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? Literally, his idea is, you expect me to nurse them? I'm not equipped for that. That's the idea. How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The, lo the load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Okay? So, you know, you, some, we talk about praying honestly to God. You don't get more honest than this. Okay? Which is basically, like, God, look, I, I thought you loved me. Why are you giving me this job? If this is the way it's going to be, just take me now. Uh, now, that's why I say you need to read the rest of the chapter for yourself, because there's just a ton of stuff in there, and I'm going to unpack just one main idea through all of this. Um, but here's basically what's going to happen next, just to tell you the rest of the story, all right? Uh, what you're going to see is uh, Moses, uh, God, first of all, deals with Moses, and he says, okay, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you seven, 70 people. I'm going to anoint them. They're going to be leaders. They're going to help you with this job. So that's one of the things that happens in this story. Uh, another, in the rest of the chapter, another thing that happens is there comes up an issue where there are people that are prophesying. And Joshua comes to Moses and says, hey, jo hey Moses, those guys are prophesying. And, and you know, people aren't going to listen to you. And your leadership is being threatened. And Moses just said, hey, Joshua, look, I'm not threatened by it. If people will listen to them, as long as they're saying what's right, then let them, let them prophesy. So there's a whole leadership thing going on. The other thing that, that you see in this is, and this is the dangerous thing in, in, in this thing, God gives the people exactly what they want. And God's going to give them meat. And God, actually, God and Moses go toe-to-toe -to -toe in the rest of the chapter because what happens is God says, I'm going to give them meat. And Moses actually argues in the rest of this chapter. He said, wait a minute, God. I have 60,000 foot or 600,000 foot soldiers. If we killed every animal that we have right now in camp, and if we fished every fish out of the sea right now, we couldn't feed all these people like you're talking about. He basically tells God, look, God, you may think you're going to feed them meat, but you can't do it. There's not enough meat. That's what Moses said. God basically says to Moses, you just let me take care of it. All right? I got it. I got this. So what happens is God sends quail, little birds. They fly three feet off the ground for 36 hours. So in other words, if you want quail, all you got to do is go, boop, stick your foot out, hits it, dies, drops down there, pick it up, put it in a basket. And you got quail. The text says that in Numbers chapter 11, the, the people picked up, on average, 50 bushel per person. They had enough quail to eat for a month. Now... Just think about cleaning that many quail. 
It talks about the people were so happy to see it, they just gouged, gorged themselves, just shoving this stuff in there as fast as they could cook it and boil it and fry it and everything else. They were just eating it until they were just so full. And then what God does is he sends a plague and says, you know what? I'm going to give you exactly what you want, but it's going to cost some of you your life. Because God was trying to teach the children of Israel a very, very important principle, and that's what we want to deal with this morning. And that's this issue of griping, whining, complaining. And when I, when I was reading this passage, something that stood out to me, I've read this I don't know how many times, and I never saw this before. And, and here's where we're going today with this. The idea of manna was manna was a temporary thing. Manna was supposed to get them from Egypt to the promised land. That was the purpose of manna. But they weren't satisfied. They wanted more. So they started griping and complaining about it. And they continued to gripe and gripe and gripe and gripe and gripe and complain about it until God finally says, all right, you know what? I'm going to give you exactly what you want. I'm going to give it to you until you're so sick of it, you get the idea that, look, you need to trust me and you need to let me take care of you. So as you go through this passage, here's what you see. It starts out with a people problem. The people start complaining. Our job is too hard. This is just too hard being in the wilderness here. Again, stop and think about it for a second. What was their life before? They were slaves. They were beat. And they're saying, you know what, this is just too hard. It's too hard being on our own. They had lost all perspective. And they're complaining because of the hardship that they have right now. Forgetting all about the past deal. So you have, first of all, this starts out with a people problem. Then it starts out, then it, then it moves into this, this, um, this idea of contentment. Well, we're not content anymore with just manna. We want more. We have to have meat. Even to the point that they're looking at what happened in Egypt, and, and literally, when, remember when I pointed out in verse 5 that they said, you know, the meat, uh, the stuff in Egypt was free? You understand what the complaint is? The complaint is that in the wilderness, we have to get up every morning and scoop up the manna. We have to work for our meal. Back in Egypt, it was all free. We just stood in a line and they served it to us. But you were slaves. Well, yeah, but it was free. No, it wasn't free. But that's, that's the concept. That's how warped their thinking had become. Then... As it, as it goes into this, this idea of, of contentment, if that wasn't enough, they just continually to push it, push it, push it. Now all of a sudden it starts to affect Moses. And you find Moses in this passage complaining. God, look, what did I do to you? Why in the world, God, have you put me in charge of these people? You're asking me, God, to do the impossible. You want me to take care of two million plus people and give them meat. 
I'm just happy that you're taking care of the manna every day. This, and when God says he's going to do this, Moses argues with God. He goes, God, you can't do that. I mean, that's how far this thing goes. Until Moses is at a point, he's like, God, if this is what you're going to do, just take me now. I've had enough. I can't do what you're asking me to do. God, and again, God doesn't strike him dead. God just says, okay, Moses, I'm going to send you 70 people to help you, and don't worry about it, I'll feed them. And again, you know, I mean, you can imagine, it was just quail everywhere until they get sick of it. And sometimes, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but here's just an idea in this passage. Sometimes one of the most dangerous things God can do to you is to give you what you're asking for. So be careful. Because here God says, okay, you want meat? I'll give you meat. And it actually costs people their lives. So I want to talk this morning, and here's, here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on this idea of griping and complaining and whining. Because I want us to understand what it does and how devastating it is. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and everybody's doing everything they can to make sure that, that we control the spread of it and all of those kinds of ideas, and you're hearing all of these terms. One of the things that you see here is how quickly griping and grumbling and complaining spread. And what I'm going to suggest is because we're in a world where everybody gripes, grumbles, and complains, if you're not careful, I mean, Moses was impacted by this. Moses started doing this before it was all said and done. That's how easy and how deadly this thing is. So I want us to really walk through this idea of griping, grumbling, and complaining and understand how it works and what it does and why we need to steer clear of it, okay? So here's the idea. I want to look at it in terms of past, present, and future. Uh, and, and again, I'll go back to children of Israel and how they do it. First thing that grumbling, griping, complaining, whining, whatever you want to call it, here's what it'll do. First thing it does is it, it glamorizes the past. I like what Mark Twain said. The reason the good old days are the good old days is because of a bad memory. I mean, really, we glamorize the past. And that's what Israel did. Oh, our food was free in Egypt. Oh, we didn't have to work for it. They made, they made slavery and onions and garlic and cucumbers sound good. We do the same thing. We were talking last night. We did this last night. We're sitting around talking about, we got in the discussion of flip phones. And how awesome flip phones were. Because with flip phones, you didn't have the text, and you didn't have the notifications, you didn't have all this stuff popping up and all that kind of thing. It was simple. Make a call, take a call. Period. That was it. And we're talking about how nice that was. Why? Because we do that, right? We, we glamorize the past. But you know what it also means? It means that I don't have a shopping list on my phone anymore. I, in the flip phone days, when we had to go shopping, when we ran out of something, we had to remember to go, take a pen, write it on the list, on the refrigerator, that we had to go. And then, when we got ready to go to the store, we had to pull the list off of the refrigerator. Okay, remember that? Some of you still live in that world. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you, but let me tell you about my world. My world is Alexa. 
So in my world, what happens is, and I have these things all over. I even have one in my shed. I don't have one in my garage yet. I just haven't put it in. Because when I'm working on something and it's like, I need a quart of oil. It's like, Alexa, add, add a quart of 10W30 to the shopping list. And then when I'm in a store, all I do is pull out my little smartphone and punch up Alexa, and it brings up all, or Amazon, and it brings up my shopping list. And I literally have been at the store, and my wife will add something at the house, and it will show up on my list. It is amazing that I can do that. It is amazing that I, I have, and all I do is just click. I don't even have to remember, because I'm at the point now where to walk from that room to the refrigerator, I could forget it. And it's a whole lot easier to go, hey, Alexa, add this to the shopping list. And it automatically goes on my shopping list. And here's the thing. My wife can be shopping at one store. I can be shopping at another store. When I click on it that I just got it, it goes off on her list too. It's amazing. My flip phone never did that. But we can glamorize the past, and it's easy to do. And that's what happens when you start griping and complaining. You start forgetting the past. And you start making the past something that it really never was. I mean, really. Do you really want to go back to, I need a cup of coffee, so I have to spoon it out into that little percolator thing, and, and, and then put it in there, and then pour the water in, and then plug it in, and then wait two hours, and then pour me a cup of coffee? No, no, no. I want the world where... What flavor of coffee do I want this moment? Open it, put the pod, push the button, bingo. Bingo. Oh, no, we have a backup. I mean, if curry goes down, we have a backup curry. That's how important coffee is in our house. Yeah, we, we, well, we, we went once. We went three day, two days, I think, before without one. And, and believe me, I love my wife to death. But if she didn't have her coffee, it is worth every penny to have a backup Keurig. I'm telling you. Uh, we take it on vacation. We travel with it. I mean, that's how, that's how. But we glamorize the past. We start to glamorize the past. And when you start griping and complaining, that's what you do. You're comparing your life to something else, that, and, and you think you know better. That's what Israel did. We think we know better. We know we should have meat now. The second idea is this. It completely ignores the future. It completely... Look, all Israel had to do was go, you know what, this is just temporary. Let's get over to the promised land. Problem solved. But they completely ignored the whole concept of what was in front of them. They forgot all about the future. All they could focus on was the present. And that's what griping and complaining does. It sees nothing beyond what you're at right now. We want meat. We want meat. We've got to have meat. We're, we, we, miss, we miss the free food we had in Egypt. We miss the cucumbers and the garlic and the onions and the leeks. We miss that. We want meat. Not, we're going to a place with fruit and wells and houses and, no, 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 we want this right now. There was no focus at all on what was in the promised land. And by the way, when we get to that story, what happens when they get to the promised land? Oh, this is going to be too hard for us. We can't do this. 
Is it everything God said it would be? Oh, it's not only is it everything God said it would be, it's more than what God said it would be, but we can't do that. Why? Because they saw no future past it. All they could see was the present, and that's what happened. It distorts the present. Griping and complaining distorts completely the present. It, it doesn't give you an accurate picture of where you are. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, and again, as a pastor, you, there are things I want to do that I can't do. So let me give you my dream world scenario that I would do if I could. I get a husband who's complaining about his wife. I have to counsel him. Here's what I would like to do. I would like to set them up with a meeting and say, hey, look, I want you to go over and talk to, to I don't know, give him Bubba. I want you to go talk to Bubba. Why don't you go to lunch with Bubba? Oh, wait a minute, I forgot. You can't go to lunch with Bubba. See, Bubba is taking care of his wife who has dementia, so he can't leave the house. So why don't you call Bubba and set up a lunch meeting with him and sit down and talk to him about the problems you're having with your wife while he's taking care of his wife with dementia. Let's do that. That's what I want to do. I get a wife complaining about her husband. Here's what I love to do. I say, tell you what, you know, I've got a gal that I'd love for you to go to lunch with. See, she buried her husband and she's a widow now, but you tell her all about the problems you're having with your husband. That's what I want to do. I get some teenager whining about his parents or her parents. What I want to do is say, come here, you know, let me, let's go to the boys and girls home. I want you to tell these kids how horrible it is that your parents love you so much and are so strict with you. Because you see, what you don't know is they, their parents could care less about them. They don't even know where their parents are most nights. They can come in any time they want. That's what I want to do. When somebody's griping and complaining about their job, what I want to do is say, come on, let's go serve soup at the soup kitchen or down at the gospel mission. Let's go stand in line and listen to their stories. And then you tell me about how hard your job is and how horrible it is for you to have a job. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Because you see, we, and again, I don't, I don't have any problem with what God has given us. I have a problem when we complain about our circumstances and situations and we start to believe all of these things because what happens is griping and whining and complaining, it distorts where you are presently. It makes you seem like, you know, well, you don't understand. I'm just so miserable. You know, I get out of this marriage, I'll be so much happier. Come here, let me talk. Let me, let me introduce you to them who made the decision you're getting ready to make. Ask them what life's really like. Ask them what it's like on a holiday when the other person has the kids and you're staring at a Christmas tree by yourself. That's what I want to say. But sometimes I do, and then those people don't come back. But I, mean, <laughs> but, I mean, the reality of it is, the reality of it is, we, when we gripe and complain and grumble about our circumstances and situations, we get this distorted picture of the present. We're not thinking at all about the future, and we're, and, and we're glamorizing what it was in the past. Oh, I'd be just so much happier, da 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 da, da. <sighs> Really? I, I'm sorry, but I don't know that you could give me enough money to go back into a dating world. You know, 
Sometimes my wife, I mean, to go back into the dating world and all of that and everything else, oh, man, you know. But I, it, it's just, we get this such a distorted idea. And then this thing is contagious. I mean, like I say, it starts on the outside of the camp, and then it reaches the next group, and then it reaches children of Israel, and it even affects Moses. And I, I just want to challenge you because this thing is deadly. And we talk about this pandemic and how, how, how people can lose their lives over it. And I watch griping, grumbling, and complaining ruin people. It ruins them. And it starts to affect everybody around them. So you say, so what's the solution, Pastor? Listen to this passage. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You brought nothing into this world, and you're taking nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, be content with that. So, I'm going to make this really clear, because I don't want to be, I don't want to be anybody confused here. Everybody here's clothes. Everybody here has eaten in the last 24 hours. It's a great day. Anything past that is icing on the cake. That's the mindset you and I have to have. We have got to step back and say, God has taken, he's gave us, if Israel would have done that, they're clothed and they got manna every day. They would not have gone down the road they went down. But what happens is, and we do this all the time, we start going, well, you don't know how hard my life is. That's how this thing started, was with that discussion. You know, I got up this morning and my car wouldn't start. And I had to go get the battery charger, and the battery charger, the cable on it was bad. And so then I had to go get the jumper cables, and I had to go pull that car up next to the other car in order to jump the car to get here. And it's been a hard day. Food, clothing, you're good. Instead of looking at it like, I'm grateful I had a car, even if it didn't start. I'm grateful I had another set of battery charge, battery cables. I'm grateful I had another car that I could pull up beside it. I'm grateful that I didn't have to even do any of that. I just jumped in the other car. That's the attitude we have to have. Well, you don't understand. You know, I'm going, the doctor wants to do all these tests, and I don't know about this, and I don't know about this. Stop. So you want to complain about the waiting time when you have access to one of the greatest health care systems in the world? Really? Really? You know, well, you don't understand how hard my job is. Let me, let me see. Um, just let me get it right, just so I'm clear. You didn't get up, you're not going to get up tomorrow and have to work in order to put food on your table for tomorrow night. Because if you don't work tomorrow, you don't get to eat tomorrow night, correct? That's your problem? Well, you, you don't understand, you know, I mean, my, my house isn't that nice, and, you know, you, you know other people live in such a nice... Okay, stop for a minute. You flush your toilet with cleaner water than most of the world drinks. Think about it in those terms. I, I don't have any problem 
that we have access to that and God has blessed us with that. I don't have any problem with that at all. I don't feel guilty for that. But when I start griping and complaining about what I have, I'm doing exactly what the children of Israel did here. The manna wasn't enough. We want meat. This isn't enough. I want more. And when we go down that road, folks, we start glamorizing the past, we distort the present, and we're not thinking about the future at all. And it will spiral you and everybody in your world down this dark hole really quick. So one of the things that we have to do is we have to step back and say, look, here's where I am. I got up today and I ate. And I, all of us are in this boat. I chose out of a whole group of clothes what to wear. It's a good day. Period. Everything else, everything else past that is God pouring out His blessing on you and I. When you and I can develop an attitude like that, guess what? The world starts going, what's wrong with you? How come you're so happy? Don't you know everything? Don't you know in seven or nine days, there's a, there's a presidential election that could change the country? Yeah. You know what? I ate this morning and got on a pair of clothes. Good day. It's a good day. But aren't you worried? It's a good day. It's a good day. That's the mindset we have to have. Because here's the thing, and this is the key. This world is temporary. My future is when I leave this world. So everything on this side of, of the grave is temporary. It's manna. I don't need to be griping and complaining about it and wanting more. You know why I don't need to be wanting more? Because I know what's coming. And the mindset is that the children of Israel could have focused on the promised land instead of the manna, they wouldn't have gone down this road. You know, and I have people who look at, in this situation, this whole pandemic thing, and they're like, you know, you just seem like you have this flippant idea about life or death. It's not a flippant idea about life and death. I'm focused on life past this world, so this world doesn't hold the value that it does to other people for me. I'm not trying to grab onto everything. Do I love, do I love the world that God's put me in here? Yes. Do I love being with my family? Yes. Do I love my friends and my church family? Yes. Do I want to stay here with you when I can be in heaven? No. Because particularly with my family and friends who know Christ, I'm going to see you again. It's just a matter of time. And I have that assurance as a believer, as a child of God, that this life is temporary. Listen to, this is one of my favorite verses. This is out of my favorite chapter in all the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Memorize the whole chapter. So, so if I read this different, it's just because I have. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Oh, I've got to read it in this version. For our light affliction. I'm going to read it in the version I memorized. Okay, because you just read it on the screen. For our light affliction, which was but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen. 
they're eternal. Listen, we need to stop griping and complaining about the manna. Because as a Christian, our future is a promised land. As a Christian, my future is what lies beyond this life. I got food here. I got clothing here. By the way, it didn't even say a house. Jesus comes to the earth. He doesn't even have a place to live. He has food and clothes. It's enough. When we get to that point in life where we see everything as a blessing, where we see everything as God being gracious and good to me when I didn't deserve it, can't earn it, don't, don't have anything. When we start to see everything in our life that way, it will change the way you live. It'll change the way that when, when circumstances come up and something bad happens, it will change the way you look at it. It will change your mindset on stuff like that. And you'll start to realize this world is temporary. And I want to challenge you because as we head into the last part of this year. We're coming into election, in, in case you didn't know. I, I just don't understand why they think a mailer or an ad or a phone call is going to change your mind two weeks before the election or a week before the election. But, you know, I, I, it's somebody's money that they're spending. But anyway, um, look, everybody gets so bent out of shape. Let me just solve the whole election thing for you. First of all, vote. Okay. Second of all, God already knows who's going to win. He's already chosen them. It's in his hands. And he's either going to um, use it as a way to bless our country or he's going to use it as a way to teach our country a lesson. And he's done that in every election throughout the history of the United States. So, you know, are you all worried about it? No, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. You know why? I got clothes. And in case you haven't figured it out, I eat well. I'm good. And I still believe, and I still will always believe, I live in the greatest country in all the world. And I've been incredibly blessed to have an American passport and be a U.S. citizen. God didn't have to let me be born here, but he did. God didn't have to give me the house that he's given me or the cars or the things that God has provided for me. He didn't have to give me a refrigerator, two refrigerators full of food, a pantry full of food, enough toilet paper for the next pandemic. <laughs> I mean, seriously, God didn't have to do any of that for me. But he did. Why would I gripe and complain? Because he hasn't given me enough. This, everything here, everything we've got here, it's just manna. To get us to where ultimately God has for us. With him for all of eternity. Kind of silly, isn't it, when you think of it in those terms? To go, you know what, God, thank you for loving me, but I want meat. I want more. How come you let this happen to me? Why isn't this going this way? Why want this? This should have happened this way. This happened that way. God, don't you know what you're doing? This is what I want. Why aren't you giving me this? 
Be content with the man. And when we can live like that, we start to live godly, and the world starts to notice. So I end with this. As we head into this week, I get there. Complaining and griping, glamorize the past, distort the present, and ignore the future. This world and all that it has is temporary. We have to focus on a God who is working out a plan for his entire creation. It is not about me. It is not about us. It's about his plan for our lives this week. Serve him in gratitude and be content with the manna he has provided for you. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it is so easy to get caught up in this consumer mentality. It is so easy, Lord, to get sucked into this concept of always wanting more. It's so easy, Lord, to look at <clears throat> our circumstances and forget that, Lord, things could be better, but things could also be a whole lot worse. Lord, help us to appreciate the things that we have been given. Lord, may we see everything this week in light of your goodness to us rather than our greed of wanting more. Lord, use us. For those who may not have the hope of a future with you for eternity, Lord, would you help them to understand and to accept your offer of eternal life? For those of us that do have that assurance, Lord, may we live with a focus on that which is to come and not that which we're going through here. So use us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, and we come to the end of next week, may we be able to look back with gratitude on all of the things you've provided. These things we ask in your name.